This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red, a Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, Make sure to subscribe, but enough of that, let's get on with the show. Kreuzer, hello and welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Wow, what a week, eh? I think there's been a few cases of cup fever in North Wales. Wrexham's still in the FA Cup, just about and a tantalising prospect of Tottenham at home in the next round, if they can beat the Blades next week. To look back at that cup epic at the Kairos, look at a deadline day signing and look ahead to our trip to face Altrincham this weekend. Who better to get on than friend of the podcast, Mr Andrew Pollard? How are you doing? Have you recovered? I'm doing all right. Cheers, Rich. Uh, I, I have recovered. Yeah, it was. I think I recovered. To be honest, probably about. No, no, no. I've still not recovered fully. Actually, I'm, I'm still got my backside. It was. Uh, it was. It's a tough pill to, to to swallow, I guess, after the Sheffield United game. But then you just have to step back and look at all the positives because there's so many positives to take away from that game, that performance. Um, so, so yeah, I've I have recovered, but there's still a part of me of like, oh man. We just held on for two more minutes, but it is what it is. We we uh, we go again on uh, on Tuesday. It did seem to be a, a sort of match. I say ninety minutes and ninety seven minutes that encapsulated what it was like to be a Wrexham fan. There was all this build up excitement. A minute gone, we're a goal down. Ten minutes gone, two of our best players are off, off injured, and then there was the resurgence. Wrexham fought back. This is the new Wrexham, but still not quite finished yet. There was the kick in the teeth. Some things never change. I guess that is the the question. What is what what is your mood like? Because you said that it is pride. There's so much excitement, and it was such a good game. We gave such a good account of ourselves, which I think lots of fans just wanted us to do. They just didn't want us to get beaten comprehensively and brushed aside by a, a team so far ahead of us in the football pyramid. But there was an overwhelming sense of pride. Uh, it's it was like a showcase of what has been happening at Wrexham. But you know the 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 bitter taste at the end was almost. There's a lot of work still to do, maybe. And, you know, it, it is mixed emotions. Yeah, I, I think just the fact that, you know, two of the goals came from set pieces is uh, when you look at 
last season, that was, I mean, the, the, the Grimsby game in the playoff, just oh, still having like nightmares about that with, with our defending on set pieces. So for us to concede two set pieces and one of them to be literally one of the, the last kick of the ball. Well, that's that's the, the frustrating thing. It wasn't quite the last kick of the ball because there were still chances to get forward after that. But there's, you, you can't be too down on it because, I mean, it's it's been well documented. It's a team that's three divisions above us, that's 70 places above us. It's a team that is looking likely of getting promoted back to the Premier League. I mean, being a Premier League t- team, uh, I mean, going back to the, the formation of the Premier League, they were a Premier League team. So it's there's so many positives, and the way we outplay them, yes, they had ten men, but the the football we played, the the just the interlinking we had, the passing and the movement in midfield, it was it was a joy to behold. It's just that 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 feeling of deflatedness walking out of the race course of just like of joint deflatedness, everybody walking out. And yes, you give the the, the team uh, a massive round of applause um, once the whistle goes because they 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 know what's happened and they know how good they've been and they know how deflated they are but it's just walking out the ground walking down the mill road and it's just thousands of people and it's kind of a hushed silence apart from the odd sigh the odd groan and the odd um uh curse word <laughs> should we say uh and it's yeah but then you, you get to the pub or you get home and you, you think back about how well we played and yeah there's there's so many positives to take out of it um but like i think you really nicely summed up there where it was the full emotions of being a wrexham fan of uh, at least the wrexham fan in relatively recent times where it's been so close but so far and hopefully we're at a point now where the so far becomes the reality rather than, you know, we we we, we get to where we need to get to. In terms of, I'm, I'm talking about promotion. Uh, I'm not thinking we're going to win the FA Cup, but but like with promotion, it's always been so so close, but so far. And I think we're at a point now where, yeah, we're reaching closer to achieving those goals. And it's just, it knocks the stuff out of you, but then you watch the game back on TV and you realise how good we were as well. It's, and to have that performance broadcast on such a, a platform for so many more eyes to see, whether it's uh, casual fans, non-football fans, or if it's prospective players who are thinking, yeah, if we'd have got... I mean, we're, we're after 10 minutes, we've lost two of our key centre-halves, we're 1-0 down. You're thinking this could go horrifically wrong on TV uh, and we could get turned over 3-4-5-0 by some team uh, and, and players who are maybe thinking about joining Rex and think, Maybe not, but when they see us show that a character to come back and play the way we played, it's it it it, it was it was great all round, apart from the result. Yeah, that was it. Uh, I kind of love how many rival fans despise us at the moment as well. It shows you were doing something right because for far too long we were respected and people pitied us that we we're in non-league, and now people hate us. And you might point at the budget, you might point at the fact we've got some very very good players, and we're not a typical fifth tier side. But at the end of the day, we have taken what is effectively a Premier League team next season to the wire like that. How much money we spend on non-league players is absolutely irrelevant. Even if even if we are a League One team, for a League One team to put in the performance we put in is remarkable because lots of teams in the Championship can't lay a glove on Sheffield United. And we did that. And like you said, for me, it was the fact that, yes, we played to our strengths. There's lots of long throws. There's lots of bombardment of the box. But it wasn't just set pieces and counter-attacks. That second half, we had real momentum. Of course, the red card's going to help. But for me, there's so much praise that belongs to, I think, Phil Parkinson as well. His substitutions were brave. I know he's forced into two early on. And again, I don't want to point out individuals necessarily because everyone played well. But 
Max to be thrown in as he did and play that well is absolutely unbelievable. Tom O'Connor, who has been our best midfielder to be pushed back into defence and play that well. It was just such a good performance. And then Mullen, you take for granted how good he is because that was him at his absolute optimum, really. And we get to see that every week, that tenacity. I've said it before. He reminds me a bit of Luis Suarez. He has that bit between the teeth. He plays in the margins. You know, it's that Wayne Rooney street striker. He's just got that. And I love it. And yeah, I'm just so proud. And so I think optimistic for the future. Like you said, there's there's the real kick in the teeth, but just so much positivity to take going forward. But I guess one point for you, before we maybe go a little bit pessimistic, which I'm not, I don't want to go too, too much. Who stood up for you? Anyone you want to give a special mention to? Like I said, you could pick anyone, I think. And you've got a fair shout of saying they were brilliant. But for you, anyone who you want to give a special praise to? Um, I think, I mean, it's obviously Paul Mullen, but it kind of, we, I think you, you really um, summed it up nicely there that we maybe take it for granted how good he is. Uh, and it's when you see him on, I mean, obviously to watch the game, to, to, to us there uh, sitting in, in the, the Mole Road or wherever, wherever we sit, it's a case of, oh, it's just Paul Mullen doing Paul Mullen things on the race course because that's what he does, whoever it's against. But to then see all the people, all the pundits coming out, the, the ex-Premier League players, I think Danny Gabadon said it's, uh, one of the greatest centre-forward performances he's seen in years of any standard. So it, I, I think maybe we take Mullen for granted in that regard. But for me, you mentioned it there, you mentioned his name, Tom O'Connor, I thought was just, he was he was brilliant in midfield for, for well, to fair, he was only in midfield for like 10 minutes. But he's been he's been so pivotal to our success in, in recent months. Uh, I know there were some question marks when we first brought him in and he'd play a game, well, he wouldn't play for a bit, then he'd come in play maybe a game and a half, get injured for three or four weeks, struggle to get back to the side. But I think the last few months he's been brilliant. But for him to play that well, drop into a, a third centre-back, and then when Parkinson took off McFadden uh, for uh, for Dolby to go four at the back, and then for O'Connor to go left-back, I think he basically played three games, uh, sorry, three positions in that one game, and was just brilliant. He just, he looked a class above. So, yeah, I don't want to, no, I do. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> to mark anybody out. But I am going to say Tom O'Connor was just uh, fantastic. But Luke Young, again, was great. Uh, there's, yeah, a James Jones when he came yeah. on was just energy. It's, yeah, I, I thought Tozer, it's probably, it's one of Tozer's best games for us, I think, in terms of his defensive work. Obviously, yes, there's a throw in. Yes, he's he's usually decent and comfortable on the ball. But I thought he's, he's just his defensive positioning and, and the way he stepped up after the, the, the two went off. Um, I, I thought he was, I thought Tozer was, was uh, at a special game as well, yeah. Yeah, and particularly because he, he'd lost Hayden and Tunnicliffe alongside him. He's then got yeah. to play in a completely different sort of defensive system. He was excellent. He's so often, I think, the unsung hero of that defence because, yes, he's got a long throw and he can get pigeonholed as that that man, but he, he offers so much. And Hayden always says, you know, that playing alongside Toes has made him so much better because of the guidance, the security that he gives. That Yeah, every single one of you. Elliot Lee's tenacity, those slide tackles, yes. Palmer doing the dirty work off the ball. I thought Howard, I know he's conceded three goals, but I thought he made some good saves. He commanded his area quite well. Parkey, again, you know, deserves a special, uh, special shout-out. And the, the Kairos crowd, I mean, from your point of view, was that like the good old days? Because for me, that was right up there, the best home atmosphere I ever remember. And that includes games where we've won, you know. To, I know we drew, but it just felt so special. It felt so lucky to be there. Yeah, there was um, not a concern going into it, but having, you know, we went to Coventry away and to have that atmosphere, that's the sort of atmosphere you want to bottle up and sell and you would make yourself a millionaire. And it was 
how can because you've got like four and a half thousand fans, whatever at Coventry, all in very good spirits. Some maybe have had literally a few spirits before the game, and it's just it's and to see that performance uh, and to get behind the team like that, it's like how do we transplant that to the race course in front of ten thousand fans, uh, or nine thousand nine hundred, I think, or others it was, and is that worry of like. Because there's always something a bit different about on a way day, especially a cup away day where everybody's up for it. And could we get that same? Could we replicate that at home? And we did. Uh, I thought we did tenfold. And and also there's always the fear of a Wrexham fan where whenever historically we always like to to bemoan ourselves that we're not great on TV. So there's always that worry as well. Like, oh, here we go. The, the, and also the, the, uh, the elephant in the room that is Ryan Reynolds, where we've not always been that successful when the owners, I rob them, have been over. So there was all these concerns of like, is it going to happen? Are we going to be up for it? Is and I think it just it summed it up really well the fact that we went one 0 down after a minute and everybody straight away was doubling down on how much they were behind the team. And in years gone by, that's when the crowd, some not not the the entire crowd, but certain sections of the crowd maybe would have started to turn and it instantly after a minute and thinking, oh, here we go, this is it. We're going to get spanned. We're going to get spanked. We're going to get turned over. It's going to be typical of Rex and. And we didn't. The, the the whole everybody in the race course was straight on it, straight behind the boys. Um, and I, I, somebody I didn't mention before, but you just remind me there was Elliot Lee. I think he really encapsulated that spirit because he's he's that the luxury player, the creative player, the, the the player who likes to take people on and you know try all the skills and flicks. But he ran his absolute nuts off, putting in tackles everywhere. The sort of performance that you don't normally expect from him in, in and and that's not a bad thing because he's not there to do those jobs necessarily. But I thought he he summed everything up really, and he got the the crowd going as well at times. So often when he'd make a, ta- a tackle, a late challenge, uh, to get a ball, to maybe even just to foul a man, but he'd be getting the, doing the whole like the raising, getting the crowd up, cheerleader stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, yeah, that's it exactly, and. And that's what you want to see. It was the, the crowd were magnificent. Um, and yes, I've gone all the way around the houses. Is that like the good old days and the best atmospheres I've seen? It's very much up there. Absolutely. It was absolutely that's brilliant. That's a short answer. <laughs> that's fine. We like the long answers, we've got the short answers as well. So, we will get the view now from the other end of the result we caught up last week ahead of the game with Sheffield United reporter Nathan Hemingham from uh, Yorkshire Live and we caught up with him this week as well to get their verdict on what happened at the Kairos over the weekend. So Nath what is the Sheffield United view after the weekend then is that uh, one that got away from you a lucky escape or disappointment that it, it came to that? Oh, it was definitely a lucky escape. You know, any 95th minute equaliser is a lucky escape. Um, so, yeah, Sheffield United were aware before the game that this was going to be a um, very tough match. They were well aware of that and it panned out that way and they were right. Um, but I think uh, United quite enjoyed, in the end, you saw John Egan's post about every move it needs a villain. I think... Um, Sheffield United in the end and the fans and the players quite enjoyed spoiling the party, you know. Um, we, as we spoke before, and all the all the TV cameras and all the media crew were there that day for one reason and one reason only, and that was for a giant killing. So I think Sheffield United were quite relieved to get on the bus back home having played the role of, of party poopers, yeah. And what do you make of Sheffield United's performance? Was 
there's always going to be a bit of a drop-off against a, a National League side or was a disappointment that, you know, I mean, Wrexham played really well, but, you know, maybe the golfing quality wasn't shown when it, when it could have been. I don't think you ever... I'm never too critical on FA Cup performances, especially games like this where you're away at, you know... Uh, you know, it was a proper cracking FA Cup tie. It was always going to play like that. You know, United were never going to control possession on that pitch. They were never going to go to a ground bouncing like that and not not expect Wrexham to put balls into their box and put them under the pressure, you know, the way that they were pumped for that game. So it was always going to be exactly how it was. United were going to have to defend, defend in spells, which, which they did. Um, some of the goals they conceded were poor, but they were also... It was also going to be one of those games where they would have to take their chances when they came, which is which is what happened. So, no, I don't think they didn't play great, but you know, you, those types of games. That, that's what happens in those types of games. It, it's not really about the performances, and it? it's just about dealing with their threats, trying to cope with you know with what you can do, and just getting the result. Luckily for United, John Egan pops up two minutes from time and, and got that result, and, and sort of burst everyone's balloon as it was, but you know, it went it was far from pretty and it was far from a good good performance. You know, United didn't play very well. Uh but they they did what they had to do to make sure they got back on the bus still in the hat. Yeah, you said it's all about just getting the result. It doesn't really matter how it happened. From a Wrexham point of view to indulge that. Anyone particularly catch your eye from a Wrexham point of view that you were impressed with? Uh you gotta obviously be impressed with with uh, with Mullen. I thought he looked a threat. Um, you know, there was that move in the first half where just before half time where I think Jaden Bogle misjudged or mistimed his even when he was last man and, and Mullin was clean through and you know, it was a good save by um by Adam Davis. But yeah, you, you could see why Wrexham have won every game at home. You could also see why they're top of the league, you know, they had a good squad, they had a good team. I thought they used the ball well. I thought they looked after the ball quite well, especially against the team and the quality that United had in it. Uh, so I can imagine at National League level, you, know, you can understand why they're scoring goals and winning games because they used the ball well, they moved it well, they got in behind United. They looked a threat on the counter-attack, I thought, in that first half. Whereas in the second half, I thought it was less of a counter-approach and more of a dominant performance where United were sort of looking to counter. They'd kind of swap roles, I thought. But United started quite decently in that first half and, and had a decent amount of possession. And Wrexham were playing decent football on the counter down the sides, getting in behind. But then in the second half, I thought Wrexham controlled possession a lot more and United were deeper in their half. And Wrexham were showing their sort of versatility in the way that they, you know, showed in the first half they could counter-attack and, 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 and do that. And then in the second half, they were pumping balls into the box. They were asking questions of United's defence. They were putting them under pressure. Um, and I thought, you know, they were full value for... Had they won that game, United wouldn't have complained that they, you know, that they'd been robbed or anything like that. Had they won that game, United would have held their hands up and said, you know, Wrexham got exactly what they deserved. They got out of jail thanks to a last-second equaliser. So, you know, let's take nothing away from Wrexham. I thought Wrexham looked good in a number of aspects in both halves. They showed different different ways to attack and different ways they can get that ball in the box and I think that bodes certainly well for Wrexham's chances of becoming a, an EFL team next season. And what about the chances of a replay then? Next Tuesday, both teams play this Saturday. 
as well ahead of the game. Uh, Sheffield United gone the field, would you say a similar side to the one we saw at the weekend or do you think it'll be a case of trying to, to really just win the time style next Tuesday? Well, the, the focus won't be on Wrexham. You know, the focus is going to be on Rotherham on Saturday. There's no way they're going to rest players in a championship game for a cup game, uh, especially one that's at home when they've not got much travel. So there's no way that... I mean, they wouldn't do that anyway. They, they would never put the cup before a league game. You know, they're, they're 12 points clear. They kick off in the afternoon game at half 12. So they could be 15 points clear of Middlesbrough third before Middlesbrough was kicked off. So United have got one foot in the Premier League and that will always be their focus this season. So Paul will name the strongest 11 he's got for that game. And then on Tuesday, he will name the strongest 11 he can that includes changes in terms of, you know, for example, they've only got one right back, so there's every chance Jada Bogle's going to play in both. Um, but they might have, they might be able to freshen up the midfield with some new legs. They might be able to rest their his starts on Saturday, having just come back from an ankle injury. Then he might not start the following game on Tuesday, but they might start somebody else to get their minutes up. You know what I mean? So there will be a few changes for the cup game, but it won't be to necessarily rest players in the 11 it'll be more to do with getting the squad players up to speed for the championship that's been Paul's message so far that he's going to need all the players some are behind the others in terms of minutes so you know the cup's opportunities are a chance to sort of get those minutes up so I'm expecting same again against Bexham three or four five changes however many you make but there will be strong changes and it will still be a strong team. That team that he put out on Sunday in the in the, in the round, at Wrexham's round, apart from Milliman and Jai, if that team was to be put out in a championship game, you wouldn't really, you know, you know, he, he would quite happily field that in the championship game, you know. So it was a very strong team still, just apart from the fact that they were missing their key striker in Njai. And I guess the final question then, we, we know that the winner will host Tottenham in the next round. Obviously for Wrexham fans, that is very exciting as a prospect. Is that also receptive of Sheffield United fans? Like you said, you'll be playing against them in the league likely next season anyway, but is that still an appealing tie? Something that they... Yeah, I think with, with the FA Cup, it depends on your season. I think if you're a side that's 12th in the table, you want a cup run. Keeps the season alive, keeps everybody interested. Fans love the FA Cup. I don't care what anyone says. Fans love the FA Cup. Fans love the chance to get to Wembley. If you are in United's position, I think what you want is a glamour tie. Because the Cup's not important to United this year, but you would want a glamour tie. So I think United fans, rather than be away at a bang average team, I think United fans were really happy to get the possibility of bringing Tottenham to Bramall Lane in the next round should they beat Wrexham. Because it's a chance for them to face a Premier League side and if they win that, then they're 90 minutes from Wembley and they've got a Premier League scalp and they'll have had a really great night under the lights at Bramall Lane. You know, what a great occasion. If they go out, they've gone out to a Premier League team, they can focus on their promotion campaign. I think United were really happy, fans-wise, were really happy with that draw. Uh, to get a home game against a Premier League team. So uh, I think it's a draw that's perfect for both teams, let's be honest. You know, Wrexham know they're not going to go all the way. They're not going to go and win the, they're not going to go to the final, with no disrespect. They've got other things to focus on. United have got other things to focus on. And I think whoever wins this, to have a Premier League tie at home next, I think both clubs will be absolutely delighted with that. 
So, you know, there's a nice carrot there for the winner. Nice reward. So, Andrew, interesting there, looking ahead to the second leg that could largely be a very similar side to the one we saw at the race course. You know, both teams play this weekend. It'd be interesting to see how that affects the preparations for the match. But I just want to bring you in on this. How are you feeling ahead of the second leg? Do you see it again as another free hit or do you see it as we missed our chance? We've already played so well once and not beaten them. Can we replicate that again and and go the extra hurdle? Of course, with Tottenham now as the carrot at the end of the stick. Um, I think there's always there is an element of, yeah, we, we missed our chance because it is a team that on paper, they're three divisions above us, 70 places above us that are about to go to the Premier League. And we completely played them off the park. It wasn't even like we were winning by by luck or some fluky goals or whatever. We were back against the walls. We we dominated that second half. And yes, they had 10 men, which makes it even more a case of that really was our chance. 10 men, uh, a, a team that good, down to 10 men, we were up 3-2. Oh, and God love him. Sam Dolby, when he went through, it, it just, oh, I didn't put it over the bar. That You're thinking stuff like that could come back to haunt us. But it might not. We we we're we're more than capable of going to a Bramall Lane on Tuesday and putting in the same sort of performance that the players. It, I think for me, it all depends on whether Phil Parks and what what he decides to do in terms of you know what team he wants to put out because we've we've already lost two of our best centre halves, two of our best players. Period. So and clearly the focus is on the league. Yes, a cut run would be great if we went out to Sheffield United. It's not the end of the world if we went through to Spurs or without, it's not the end of the world. Uh, the the end of the world is if we don't get promoted right now. Uh, and so the focus has to be on that. So you're thinking if 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 you're uh, if you fill Parkinson's you maybe not half arse it because it wouldn't be half arse but do you maybe rest your important players? It, I that's mean the, yeah, you... that's the dilemma isn't it? there's three trains of thought. Yeah. You either go full strength, you rest a few key players as we did at Coventry, to be fair. We we rested yeah. a few, didn't we? Or you could go you know, we've had our cup run, we've already beaten Coventry, we've had a great day out at home against Sheffield United, you know, let's cash in now, concentrate on the league. I can see arguments for every single one of those. And some fans will feel passionately say it's the FA Cup, it's a huge chance to play Tottenham. What do you mean we'd rest players or take any chances? There'll be other fans who say, well, we have to get promoted. Phil Parkinson, at the end of the day, his job will be decided most likely by if Wrexham go up or not. So it's in his best interest for us to go stronger in the league and perhaps not weaken our team because I don't think we've even got a weak inside at the moment considering how much how many squ- squad options we've got. But resting a few against Sheffield United, so there is there are so many arguments to take. I just I don't know where I stand on it. I really don't. I mean, I I trust you'll be going to to Sheffield next Tuesday as well, and I wouldn't like to yeah. go on an away day and then see us sort of do what we did at Rangers. I mean, Rangers away was a good away day, but I was watching players who most likely would never have gone to play for Wrexham again in a great sort of <laughs> surrounding. It was a great day out, but yeah. the match was so non-eventful. Uh, you feel like, you know, this is a special team. They can beat Sheffield United away. It is a tall ask, but surely they give it a go. And then if things aren't going right in the game, that's when you take key players off. If we're 2-0 down at half-time, then maybe you can say, yeah, look, we've we've... Ran our race here. Mullen, you come off. O'Connor, come off. Toza, let's rest you. And then we take it from there. What, what do you think? Um, 
in Parky, we trust. That's 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 my approach to it. Whatever he thinks is best, I'm I mean he's earned our trust at this point in time. But I mean, when we turned up at commentary, there was there was murmurs, there was there was groans when it was like, well, Dolby's playing instead of Ali Palmer. What's this about? And just stuff like that, where it's like you're thinking, all oh, right, okay, well, this is going to be fun. And then we go and put a performance in like we did at commentary. Uh, and yes, we were clinging on at the end when they brought some of their, their bigger hitters on, but we still we got the result there. And uh, and like somebody like a Sam Dolph who came in, did, did great, did fantastic. Uh, so we have a squad, we have a squad for a reason, uh, and you have to trust in those players. Uh, and, and the fact that we've recruited the players that we recruited, they were all players from the, the league, uh, either from League Two or League One. So I, it's not like we're just throwing in necessarily, like you mentioned about the, the Rangers game, where it is, it's players who are probably, who, some of them may never have kicked the ball again for Wrexham before they got released and, and they're playing wherever now. Whereas now the players we would bring in are players who have played league football before. So it's not a case of just putting in total no names or, or, or kids who are out of their depth. And it's just a case of giving them a run out to rest the, the, the senior players. But the other side of that is, I mean, already in February, we had eight games, uh, six at home, four on a Tuesday night that was all booked in. Uh, and that's before the FA Cup replay got got sorted out. So it's it's a hectic month. It's a month that I think is going to define our season. Uh, this this is um, it's it's a it's a you can't under understate or overstate even, dare I say, um, how big February is. And so if Parky decides to, you know, play Jake Bickerstaff instead of Mullin, it's not. It's, I, I think a lot of people would uh, see their ass about it, but it's like, hey, again, in Parker we trust. I don't think that will happen because I don't think Paul Mullin will let Phil Parkinson drop in for any game whatsoever. But yeah, it's. I've, I've got faith in it. I think. I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be all right. Yeah. And it, and, and that's it. If, it's not the end of the world if we do go out against Sheffield United because, all right, okay, all that means is we have more focus on just the, the, on the one competition then, which I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, exactly. I think there's also the mitigation of we play this weekend. And if, for example, we were winning yeah. comfortably against Altrincham with half an hour left, then you could rest someone so they could start on Tuesday night. There's so many permutations to it that I don't even think that right now Parky will know himself because you've got to play the weekend game. And I know it's cliche that you take them one match at a time, but I think it's very pertinent with, with Wrexham's situation uh, at this moment in time. I suppose then we move on to those players we've been attracting from the Football League. We mentioned that the only negatives from the weekend were the last-minute goal, or the late goal from John Egan, and the fact that Tunnicliffe and Hayden both got injured. News on that is that Aaron Hayden will be out for a few weeks. Jordan Tunnicliffe looks like he could be out for the season now. In yeah. contrast to that, Mendy and Bryce Susanna are back in full training. Jordan Davis getting closer to a return as well. So we have dealt without two of our key players already in, in Mendy and Davis, and we've got through that fine. bit different when they play in the same position as Hayden and Tunnicliffe do. It's got to be a real test of, of our strength, but we've seen already O'Connor can play there and do exceptionally well. Max Glueff is a brilliant, brilliant young player. Harry Lennon is an option, let's put it that way. And, <laughs> you know, we've, we've signed someone else now, wow. Andrew. And in terms of Owen O'Connell, I mean... Yes. What do you make of that as as an addition? I mean, first of all, did you know how to pronounce his name? Um, I, I did because I saw the instruction video from Robin Ryan. Owen. Owen. You. You. Owen. No, just Owen. Yeah, it's just, just plain old Owen. It's so easy. I. Oh. Oh. Ogin. It's Ogin. Owen. 
why is it so hard for you to pronounce Irish names? Owen. But uh, yeah, I love you. The ultimate backhanded compliment there of, of Lennon. Uh, he's, I, he's, I he's think Lennon, like, yeah. yeah, I think he's a brilliant player, but I think it was telling that we didn't see him at the weekend as well. The fact yes, that Max has chosen massive. ahead of him. I want Harry Lennon to be a really good Wrexham player because we all know he can be. And in the brief spells we've seen him, he's looked really good. It's just the mm-hmm. fact that it's been brief spells. And this season, we are in a position where we can take no risks whatsoever. We need to just play the percentages and just try and win, win, win. And you'd probably say that Max Clueworth is a safer bet, wouldn't you, in defence than, than Harry Lennon yeah. at this moment in time? Yeah, I think also as well, Tom O'Connor uh, proved himself there um, against Sheffield United. Are you thinking, especially particularly with the midfield options we've got, we can afford to drop Tom, O'Con- Tom O'Connor back if needed, if Parky thinks that's best because, I mean, James Jones can come in. Uh, and Cannon's there. <laughs> that's 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 a signing that we made who is barely had a kick. Um so there's options in the middle of the park, and especially if you know if Jordan is on his way back, then we could afford to drop O'Connor back. But it's just, yeah, it's it's. I know people talked last season towards the end of the season about how much of a blow it was to lose Rob Layton, and it was. But like the bigger blow was losing Aaron Hayden, and that's that's a massive one for me. Uh, what eleven goals I think he's got this season already, and and Tunnicliffe coming in was just. There was always that thing of like, right, we've signed him. Why is he not playing? And it got to about two months into the season, six weeks into the season, and he again had nothing. And then when he got a run of games, like this, this guy is really good. And then the question was like, so why hasn't he been playing? But the, just those three as a unit together have been been fantastic. So they're a big miss. But but yeah, I mean, again, I, I trust the signings we made. Uh, and you, I mean, we're, we're bringing players in now. We play Champions League football. For, for Celtic uh, and who playing for, for Charlton this season. I think it was like 17 games or something already this season. So we're not, it's not like we're bringing in randoms or we're signing up players. I don't know, uh, just people who are free transfers or somebody from the, the, the League of Wales. No disrespect to those. We're, well, yeah, the players we're bringing in the signings. Yeah, I guess in, in years gone by, we'd be looking at someone like Ollie Shenton. We'd be going to a Premier League or Championships development squad and loaning in someone yeah. who's undercooked, not got any real experience of professional football and they can't really offer too much of a role. And I mean, you can just say there are levels to this game now. Wrexham are buying League One starters to fill gaps in their squad, which is absolutely ridiculous. And we've seen with the announcement video, the tease from Robin Ryan, that is part of the pulling power that Wrexham have. And as you said, if Owen was watching on Sunday, he will have got firsthand the perfect endorsement of why he should join Wrexham Football Club because this is a team going places and he's got the longevity he can be a part of that for for years to come I guess the interesting factor then is we've mentioned Tony Cliff we mentioned Tom O'Connor both been brilliant both were signed and we didn't see them initially so even and and Cannon again now he might turn out to be Wrexham's best midfielder but we probably won't see him till back end of the season until he's properly playing games consistently do you think O'Connell will come in and start straight away then? Or do you think it is going to be a case of, we've already got some quality players here. Let's stick with what we've got and bed him in, in, in slowly. Uh, I think in a situation we're in right now, I think O'Connell comes, if he's not straight in, he's in very soon. He he might not start the weekend, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he started against the against Sheffield United. I just think because we've lost two such key players, there, two of them, that's it. Um, Whereas with, with Tom, when Tom O'Connor came in, it was a case of, okay, we've already got plenty of midfielders, so we'll just, you know, we'll get used to our style and training whenever we can take a look at him, see where he fits, and then we'll slowly introduce him as and when he's fit. 
And I guess that was a, the scenario with Tunnicliffe where we had Max that was starting games. So we, we had we had a, a three at the back with Toza Hayden and, and Max Clever who, who was starting all the games. So there's no rush to necessarily integrate that person straight away into the starting lineup. Whereas right now, though, when we got two massive injuries at the back, um, I, I think, and clearly it's for whatever reasons, it's, it's just it's not happening with Lennon. I, I think that, yeah, I think O'Connell comes in possibly, like I said, not to start the weekend, but maybe. Maybe you give him, uh, you start him uh, from the off against Sheffield United on Tuesday, but yeah, I think he'll he'll be straight into the team um, within the next week or two. Well, to get more insight on the new Wrexham signing, I caught up with friend of the podcast Tash Everett, who works at Talk Sport. She's a Charlton season ticket holder, and here is what she had to say about Wrexham's new deadline day edition. So Tash Wrexham have signed another player from Charlton, this time directly. Owen O'Connell joined on deadline day. There were rumours earlier on that it might be Sam Lavelle who was going to join instead. And you were maybe not as bothered about it being Sam Lavelle, it's fair to say. But Owen O'Connell in the end has made the move to North Wales. First of all, I suppose, how has that gone with the Charlton fan base? Yeah, I think when I first heard that it was going to be Sam Lavelle rather than Owen O'Connell, I kind of thought well, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, mostly because although Sam Lavelle has played a big part of the last, I think it's two seasons that he's been here, he has been dropped like, even out of the, he wasn't even on the bench for the last couple of fixtures. Um, and it's been fun and hard to get his place back in the team. So, and obviously he's a young player, I think he's 24, 25. So uh, for him, I think it would have been, it would have made a lot of sense uh, for him to come to you guys. Uh, for O'Connell, on the other hand, um, he started basically every game um, after we signed him in the summer. He was brought in by Ben Garner um, and he got appointed as vice-captain. And yeah, he just played quite a big role. Um, and then he got injured uh, against Ipswich in the 4-4 draw. <laughs> um, it was a bit of a manic game that. But yeah, he got stretched off, actually. Um, and he was kind of just coming back from that. I think he came off the bench maybe once or twice since he's come back in the last couple of weeks. But I kind of thought... You know, we got extra away on Saturday and I thought that he might get a start, <laughs> but not anymore because we'll be playing for you guys. But yeah, I think it was probably a surprise. I think out of all the centre-backs, I don't think I would have said that he was going to go. Where about did he rank? Because I saw a few fans on Twitter say, we've signed Charlton's best centre-back. Maybe he had the potential to be your best centre-back, but is it fair to say he was maybe sort of third or fourth choice now for you anyway? I think probably second or third. I think... We do probably have too many centre-backs, so that's another element to it. But I think Lucas Ness is our academy graduate and he's it's still a teenager um, and he only came through maybe like the last like two or three months when O'Connell's been out injured. So that's then made it difficult for O'Connell to get his place back in the squad because Lucas has been undroppable. Like he played at Man United and he was just, yeah, he plays completely beyond his ears. Um, and he's been playing alongside Ryan Innes most of the time. And Brian Innes, I think Charlton fans have a bit of a mixed opinion about him. Um, you know, on his day, he could be brilliant. And I think forwards are pretty scared of him going up against him because he's so tall. But um, on times, he has kind of not had great discipline and his decision-making isn't great. You would have seen that um, for Bolton's second goal and they beat us 2-1 at the weekend. It's an error on his and Maynard Brewer's, our goalkeeper's part. So in some ways, I'd say O'Connell would still 
would still get in a centre back pairing if you ask a lot of Charlton fans. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I can understand why he's gone to Wrexham, but I think at the same time, there definitely still was a place for him in the squad. What type of defender is he then? Is he no nonsense? Is he a ball playing one? I mean, how would you describe his style of play? He's actually got a bit of everything to be fair to him. I think he's all, you know, he's very confident on the ball actually. When he got brought in, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it was under Ben Garner and Ben Garner had this whole philosophy thing that he wanted to bring in. He said, I want to play attacking football. So then he wanted to bring attacking centre-backs, <laughs> which sounds backwards, but um, so Connell fit that bill pretty well, to be honest with you. Um, scored a goal for us as well. I think it was against Pompey when, at the beginning of the season. Um, so he does have that ability actually going forwards, but at the back, he's, I'd say, and probably a big reason why I'm quite gutted to lose him is he's quite, I don't know, he's got a very level head. He's very calm on the ball. Like, even if there's a forward running at pace at him, he won't panic and he'll do the right thing. Um, his decision-making is very good and it's very, yeah, uh, that's why I really rated him. So I think that's something we've been missing from our defenders in the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, I think he's got a bit of everything, to be honest. And, yeah, I think he'll so, see you guys. Yeah. So would you describe him as sort of a, a League One standard centre-back then? I would say so, yeah. I think so. I mean, obviously, Charles on a, like, mid-table at the moment, um, but realistically our squad should be pushing higher than that and everyone's admitted that we've underperformed this season but so I would say so yeah I would say he comfortably is league one I think obviously he came from Rochdale last season um obviously in league two and he was their captain and he'd obviously done really well there played every game for them pretty much um so I'd say like at least mid-table league one he comfortably would would fit in nicely, yeah. So, <laughs> great sign for the National League. Yeah, and you mentioned they played every game for Rochdale. The only reason he got injured is because, it, you know, it was, like, like I said, during that four-all game, which was manic anyway, and he was stretched off. Because mm -hmm. some fans said, oh, is, is this guy injury-prone? Because they looked at how many games he'd missed this season. But it has just been that one long-term injury rather than lots of little niggles here and there. Yeah, from what I can remember anyway. But I think, yeah, because he got injured against Ipswich and then he was out for probably, like, when was that? That would have been October, I think. So I think he's been out for like one or two months. Um, but as I say, you know, considering he got stretched off, we all thought, okay, well, he's going to be out for a long time then because he went off at the same time as Egbo, our fullback, who did his ACL. They both went off in that game. And Egbo's still miles off being fit again, whereas, you know, O'Connell bounced back pretty quickly after doing his knee and was on the bench and came on for us and did a job. So... No, I don't, I don't think he's injury prone, to be honest. Like, yeah, it seems all right to me. This question's a bit difficult, but I'm going to throw him under the bus. Do you think it's a bigger signing than Elliot Lee was in the fact that this guy was playing more regular football for you? Oh, it's going to sound harsh on Elliot Lee. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably, to be honest, because I think with Elliot Lee, I really I really liked him as a, as a Charlton player. I think he always tried his best. I think he... Unfortunately, probably wouldn't have been the standard that we needed to to push for promotion. Whereas I think O'Connell probably would have been. So in that respect, yeah, I think O'Connell probably is a better sign than Elliot Lee, which speaks volumes for you guys because Elliot Lee's done a great job for you. So I'm sure O'Connell will do even better. Uh, the main reason what is getting on the podcast is because you are the only rival fan who actually has some sympathy for Wrexham and like seeing us do well. <laughs> I mean, you joked at the weekend. You know, you're saying it's great to see Wrexham doing so well. Now that we've signed your one of your best players, is has that changed at all? 
I was talking to my dad about this yesterday, actually, because I said, oh, there I was bringing up Wrexham on Twitter and then they're going, they're going Nick, our centre-back, I'm feeling now. Um, no, no, but I still, you know, it's fair enough. You guys come along, you, you've you obviously given him a great offer and you're promising him regular football. Like, you know, if I was him, I, I wouldn't turn it down. You wouldn't turn down, like, being Ryan Reynolds from Michael Eddy. So, <laughs> no, I still have a lot of respect for you guys. It's all right, no love lost. <laughs> So, Andrew, the last time you were on the podcast, we looked back at Wrexham's trip to face Altrincham in the FA Trophy. Face them in the league this weekend. Wrexham on TV again. I'm sure that will be boiling piss up and down the country. How do you feel about the trip to Altrincham this weekend then? I mean, it's a game that if we want to win a league, we should be winning. They have just come off the end of a decent unbeaten run themselves. Lost quite a few key players in the January transfer window. They've just loaned in free Man United teenagers who all won the FA Youth Cup last season. I can't envisage any of them being totally prepared for non-league football, I, m- I must say. I, Joe Hugel, who plays up front, is a real good prospect, a real good talent. Um, I think he's about six foot two, sort of a poacher goal scorer, but maybe not at the levels that are going to be required for ultra this season. They've lost Connor Jennings, Con Clark's gone. You know, there's there's been a lot of change. I'm always going to make a case that Wrexham could drop points because that is just, that's what I do. That's the bingo card ticked off. But surely this weekend, there's going to be uh, another three points for Wrexham. I mean, you've totally jinxed it there. That was it, Fogel, Dogel, Gogol, whatever his name is, he's going to score. That's it. Hat trick, guaranteed. Uh, last minute winner. But yeah, like you, like you said there, like you alluded to, it's a sort of game where in years gone by, we might have dropped points, but. If we are serious about winning the league and get promotion, then it's a realistically, it's you expect to go there and win. That's just what it has to be. Um, and the uh, Con Clark, I'm, I'm glad he's gone back because he looked very lively against us in the uh, the trophy game. Even though the commentator kept comparing him to Gaza, he uh, he looked very decent. So he's gone back to is it Fleetwood, I believe, his parent club. Yeah, I think he's been, so, been loaned out to Waterford though. Oh right, that's a very random sideways move. You thought he probably would have been better off at at Altrincham. But yeah, I don't know. Unless he wasn't getting games, he was just playing because it was the FA Trophy. So they played their weekend team against us. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's a game that we go into and we... Or maybe um, he has just gone yeah. to Fleetwood now that I'm looking at things. You just imagine pulled water for that or somewhere. Yeah, and Mullocky's gone to Rochdale. I've just had so many Ultragon players going through my head this week. <laughs> I can't remember who's ended right. up where, but I'm pretty sure one of them's ended up going to Waterford. Um, who knows? <laughs> So someone somewhere has, yeah. I uh, no, I, I think yeah. This weekend, it's you have to if you come away. Um, I mean, it's not the end of the world, yeah. If we we get a, a point there, but you come away and you haven't won, then you have to. There's got to be an element of disappointment, and that would be the case with the players and with the manager, uh, just because that's the standard we have now, where these are the games that it's three points. That's it. If anything less than three points, and yeah, it's not enough because that's. That's what you have to do if you you're serious about getting promoted and serious about winning the league, especially. In I, the stand, league. I stand corrected. Has... Chris Con Clark heads over to Waterford FC on loan. What? <laughs> so he got recalled by Fleetwood, and then on deadline day got loaned out to Waterford, who who are Fleetwood's sister club in Ireland. But it seems peculiar that he'd leave Altrincham. But you know, I mean, yeah, very very peculiar. Also, this isn't turning into a Waterford Waterford podcast, but they are currently. Out in Dubai for a pre-season camp. Can you believe that? What? Dubai? Like, yes. Yeah, I wouldn't expect us to be in Dubai for a pre-season camp or a, whatever, mid-season break. Um, 
Yeah, that surprised me because uh, he, he he did. He looked very decent. He was very positive with the ball. Um, but we're not here to talk about Waterford players now, let alone Fleetwood players, let alone OT players. But yeah, I um, uh, yeah, it's a sort of game that in a league where there's only one team that's talking about promotion, if you're serious about doing that, these are the games you've got to win. And if you look at our recent results, I mean, I was writing a piece, robryanred.com, by the way, everyone. I did my January review and the two cup games obviously got headline billing for that. But if you look back at last month, the 3-2 win at Maidstone, last minute winner from Hayden, the 3-0 win at Gateshead, and in particular for me, that 2-1 win against Bromley where we've come from behind, Mullen penalty, James Jones's deflected shot. Those are the games that are huge for me. They're the games that in past years we do not win. You talk about the mentality monsters, as Jurgen Klopp calls his side, but that is real mentality being shown there from Wrexham to grind out these results, to win these games. And again, you know, the standards have, have raised this season. We've got fierce competitors at the top of the table. We won't be playing next midweek because of the FA Cup tie. We won't be playing in the league. So we are going to have catching up to do at some stage. If we win the Cup tie, by the way, the Chesterfield game gets rearranged again because we will be playing Tottenham. So there is so much mitigation. We're going to be at least two games behind Notts County for a while now. We could go three behind if we win in the FA Cup. We have to win the matches we play in. Ultrangum away, you know, it can be tricky. Like we said, in years gone by, Wrexham don't win there, but this Wrexham team has to has to win there. Yeah. I mean, another one of the bingo cards is people love it when I talk about the form table. And if you look at Wrexham away now this season, we are much better away from home. We really have found our momentum. Ultringham, though, are the ninth best team at home in the National League this season. We saw in the trophy as well that they're a good team. Obviously, we were we were playing a weakened side, and I slightly, I'm not slightly, I did just mock them for the pitch invasion at the end after beating Wrexham reserves on penalties. But well, you praise the pies. But I praise the pies. I'm, pie raised pie round two this weekend has got me so excited. Let, let me tell you that. I I just don't know what to expect, really. But in terms of the lineup, then, Andrew, we've said that there is the mitigation of the cup tie as well next week, and they both go hand, hand in hand. What happens in one affects what happens in the other. Are you resting any players for Aldrigan, or are you playing your strongest team? Um, me personally, I, I think maybe you can afford to rest one or two. Uh, I think with Phil Parkinson, the team we see on Saturday will be a big indicator as to what we're going to do on a Tuesday because. I think if Ollie Palmer, say for instance, starts on Saturday, I don't think he starts on Tuesday uh, in in the cup. I, I think that's where Dolby comes in, and vice versa. I think if Dolby plays at the weekend, then I think that means that's an indicator that Ollie Palmer's going to play on Tuesday. So, I I think it's a game where realistically, I mean, you don't want to look past an opposition, and I'm not, but I think we've got enough quality in our squad, the depth we've got, where we can afford to rest one or two players uh, against Aldringham. Um It's just. Who who do you rest though? I guess because the defense at the moment the defense is probably going to pick itself just by sheer availability. Um, do you look at maybe could you could you give late in the game? I don't think I don't think you want to change the keeper. Maybe really you don't want to drop a Luke a Luke Young uh, just because of the influence he has and the momentum. He's one of those players that Young where once he gets a good run of form going, you don't want to drop him because he he's he needs to play every week and, and well maintain that. But maybe I don't know. Does an Elliot Lee? Get put on the bench, possibly. Does James Jones come in for him? That I think that'd be fine. I mean, James Jones, of course, who captained the team against Ultram giving the FA trophy. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there was like Elliot Lee dropped for, for James Jones, or maybe um, I don't know, Resort Johnson for Ford or or Sam Dolby for 
for Ollie Palmer, possibly. I think there might be one or two tweaks, but not a massive overhaul. Yeah, a reminder that the bench at the weekend was Bickerstaff, who didn't come on, Cannon didn't come on, Max Clewerf obviously came on early on, Dolby, who came on, Hall Johnson was an unused sub, James Jones came on early, and then three more unused subs, Layton, Lennon, and Macalinden. So you talk about as well Mendy possibly being back in contention, Bryce Hazana as well. There are options there, aren't there? And there certainly is a chance to rotate. And I think, as I said earlier in the podcast, a rotated team is not a weakened team for Wrexham because there are so many options. And, and you know, I did think that when we played Coventry, Dolby and Clue of starting, alarm bells were ringing. I thought, all right, we're out of the cup. We've thrown this away. Why aren't we taking it seriously? They both proved me wrong so emphatically. They were both excellent and that's why it does feel different this time around, doesn't it? We have got so many options. And as you said, I think the overriding message from this is in Parky we trust. He has given us so much reason to believe he is the cup specialist. He needs to be the league specialist as well this season. Wrexham are in a brilliant place. Why be pessimistic? Hey, we've got so much to smile about. It might have been a sucker punch at the end, but the fact that we are disappointed that Wrexham only drew free all with the second best team in the championship is absolutely bananas. Uh, Andrew, will you be going to both away games in the coming days? Oh, I, I, I woke up too late to get a ticket for the Ultra Cup game. I absolutely dropped a massive, uh, I don't know if I can say it, but I dropped a, a yeah, a schoolboy error on my part. I, by the time I woke up and got a bearings, it was like, oh, sugar, the tickets are on sale this morning and they're sold out. So no, not that one. Sheffield United, the plan is to get tickets tomorrow for that one. I, I got really carried away on the Monday um, and booked the hotel in Sheffield for some reason. And then I, I cancelled it earlier today because like, why do I need that? It's, it's not that far away. Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know why I did that, but that's been cancelled. Thankfully, it was like fully refundable. But yes, uh, all being well, I will be getting a ticket in the morning, so I will be going to Sheffield. Yes. He is playing some big celebrations at full time on Tuesday yeah. night. Of course, as we said, if Wrexham win, it's Tottenham at home in the FA Cup. We will be back on the Rob Ryan Red podcast next Wednesday to look back at what happened at Altrincham and what happened at Bramall Lane. Bring it on. I can't wait. Hope you have a brilliant week. Andrew, thank you once again for joining us today. No worries. No worries. Thanks for having me on uh, again. You're glutton for punishment, clearly. Uh, yeah. And thank you very much to our podcast sponsors, Red 10 People Development, and to Wrexham Bass Band Hypnotic, as always, for the music they provide. Take care, and we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.